you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Hey, um, man, so many good things. Uh, we wanted to, uh, and, and please know with the amount that we still uh, have left to raise, we reconcile um, the amount monthly. So when the month is over, we do an update to the total. Does that make sense? And I can't wait to encourage you guys with what's left after this month because so many people have um, come in and did some weird pledges and some really neat things. And so it's just, man, I'm getting fired up. Like, I don't know, it's cool to when you can feel God at your back. It's really rad. Anyways, um, cool. Hey, uh, Kobe and Annie. Kobe and Annie, would you come up and... Uh, we want to, you guys want to ha- hear another cool testimony of some cool things that the Lord's doing? Uh, well, here's a family in our church that we've loved. They've been attending our church, been members of our church for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years, something like that. And, uh, oh, thanks, bro. Hey, that's pretty lovely. Man, you can talk anytime you want. You give me coffee. Uh, anyways, this is Colby and Annie, and they have something they want to share with you. It's yours, bro. Sweet. Yeah. Um... So, about 19 weeks ago, we found out we were pregnant. Yeah, good news, a little little surprising, you know, um, because we have almost a one-year-old right now, so, you know, it was a little fast, but um, we're excited about it, um, and 12 weeks, 12 weeks in, um, I'm out of town, I'll just set the scene, I'm out of town. And uh, Amory has just her normal checkup just to see how, how the baby's doing. Um, and, you know, she goes to see the doctor. They're, they're doing their ultrasound, and they, they, they find that our, our child has, like, a cystic hygroma uh, on, on the fetus. And, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty mor- morbid just how, how the doctor was treating and talking to Anne-Marie and basically said the baby had, you know, a less than 10% chance of surviving. Um, um, and I mind you, like, I'm out of town when she's finding all this out, so I'll kind of let her share, you know, what she was going through in that time, and then I can fill in. Yeah, I think for me it was just something that I always feared of hearing. Uh, it's still fresh, but um, it's this, like, powerless that, you know, baby's growing inside you, you're so close, um, but there's nothing you can do. So during that month of waiting, God did make himself known. And as my baby was growing, my faith was growing. And um, it, was, it was a challenge. Um, every day I, I think I struggled with if I should trust God that he was going to answer our prayers with a resounding yes or take comfort in knowing that it's in his hands. And um, I had to continuously come back to that place of peace and knowing that if we do lose this baby, that it was going to be in the best hands I could possibly think of. Um, but one verse that I clung to, because like he was saying, a lot of the doctors, they were... They immediately got us 
um, booked with like genetic counselors and um, fetal specialists, and it was overwhelming to the point of it was just kind of added anxiety where we knew we just need to trust God in this. And, you know, it was tempting where I would want to Google all the things that could go wrong and it would just lead me down that rabbit trail. Um, but the verse that I clung on to was 1 Corinthians 2.5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that got me through um, because it was easy for me to worry and have fears and believe that it wasn't going to make it. And um, that verse just reminded me that God has the final say. And I'll let him talk more about what happened after that. Yeah, yeah. And from from my perspective, I was, you know, I kind of take a deep dive into all those deep philosophical questions of, you know, why for me, it was more of like, you know, God, did, did we do something to deserve this? You know, because it's just, it's just brokenness. It's just evil in our world that, you know, for me, I, I like, I like to find an explanation. Like, I want to know why. Oh, you're, you're bad at that? Well, why? Like, you could probably do something to get better at it. You know, that's how I, you know, I coach. That's how I talk to myself. And it's like, let's control what we can. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, for me, just going through all that, for me, I was just... I was, uh, so I was reading through, in my personal reading, I was in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and I I couldn't help but just, like, really focus in on Moses' relationship with God, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty, like, perplexing relationship. When you really look at it, you're kind of like, what is going on? Like, God loves this guy. You know, God changed his, you know, so, so much so much was going on there with with Moses' deep connection with God, and and I just hung on to that. Where it's like, so you're telling me, you know, Moses is is talking with God, and he changes his mind, or you know, changes his God's mind. Um, and there's just this this relationship, this paradoxical relationship there. So for me, that that gave me a lot of hope, to be honest, just to straight up ask people to pray for healing, um, just because why not? You know, why can't he? he you know, he, he may, he could if he wants to. Um, but at the same time, like I understand like the will of the Lord, you know, may not always align with mine. And there's, there's people that, you know, don't get the healing they ask for. And that doesn't mean God's any less faithful or anything like that. That just means he sees something maybe that we don't, or, you know, it just is a testament to the the brokenness and the evil in this world that, you know, (laughs) we pray for Jesus to come back. Right. Um, but all, all that to say that just all the, the testimonies already in the word of God, you know, of, you know, your faith made you well, you know, or uh, just all those little, those little things that our Savior said that it's like, man, like, I, I mean, I'm going to hang on to that. Like, if there's anything I can do right now to be selfish about my daughter in there, like, I'm going to hang on to that, Lord. And, and I understood, too, at, at that point in, in my walk where I was like, you know, like, man, she's going to be in the best, she's going to be in a lot better place than down here, you know, if if he takes her and, and he's going to take good care of her. So I, I had peace with that, but I really didn't want to walk through that grieving, to be honest. Um, I would have if I had to, but um, in a lot of ways, just with, with the doctor, kind of backtracking with what the doctors were telling us, like, 
in a lot of ways, they were already talking like we'd already lost her. You know, that was that was how much hope and, and faith they were giving us. But we, we had a lot of people praying for us, and I thank you if you were if you were on that prayer train. Thank you so much just for just for going to bat for our, our daughter. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how it works. I don't know why God, you know, does what He does. Um, but needless to say, we go back to the doctor. I think three weeks later, and the hygroma had begun shrinking, and it was one millimeter less. Um, so it was awesome, awesome to see a little bit of progress. Um, again, the doctor kind of gets quiet when that happens, not really sure what to say. Um, but I kind of got it out of him a little bit. He's like, it's already kind of a miracle what's happening. Um, just because I'm a pretty straightforward guy and I'm going to share the love of the Lord because that's what this is. You know, this is an opportunity just just to cling to him and, and to testify for him. You know, whether we get the victory here or later, you know, it's coming. So we go back right that three weeks it's it shrunk and then we actually went back a week later right two weeks later um and we're sitting in our ultrasound with the lady and i'm kind of looking at the screen i'm not a doctor but i'm like man i don't know if i see anything it looks good in there um you know just being hopeful more of probably wishful thinking but Marie, she's just boom shot her straight you know how is it how's the hygroma what are we looking at here and and the the tech basically she was like, you know, I'm looking, I just I can't find it, you know, yeah, yeah, and and she was very very thorough and sure, and she was like double checking, triple checking, making sure I could see her like making sure before she said anything. But then she compared the photos for us from you know two weeks prior and in that one, and you could clearly see that, you know, this was almost a different child in there. And, uh, yeah, praise Jesus. Yeah, amen. Like, and I, if I could say a little bit more on that, yeah, our daughter, basically, she's a healthy baby now. Just straight up a healthy baby. The doctors are now proceeding as normal. Nonetheless, on a deeper note, for me, it's kind of like, man, now I'm more perplexed, you know, about like, you know, you, you, you know, it's, yeah, I'm more perplexed in my own walk now, to be honest. And for me, now I have a very, right now, at least in this season, I have a serious fear of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, with all my other doubts, because, you know, if he can heal my daughter, you know, like that, it's like, what the heck am I worrying about all this other stupid stuff for? You know, like, um, yeah, dear, I don't know if you had anything to say about that, but. Yeah, amen. Thank you guys for letting us share. Yeah, uh, pray for real. It's like it, it's God's glory. And actually, uh, Chris, he actually brought up a verse, you know, when we were in our group that it just like, to be honest, it just, it, it encapsulates it. You know, the story of, you know, the paralytic that Jesus heals. The people are like, man, what did this guy do? What did he do to deserve this? What did his parents do to deserve this? And Jesus is like, you guys got it wrong. Yeah. It's for my glory. Yeah. And that's just like, I'm like, all right, you know what, it is. It's about him. Um, it's not about us, even though in a paradoxical way, it is about his children. Um, but, you know, praise Jesus, guys. So, yeah, thank you for all your prayers. Thanks, Kobe. Man. Praise Jesus.
I do want to uh, dive into some things here, get all of the things out that we want to talk about. But in light of the things that's happening with Israel and all the conversations that you're going to be um, dragged into over the next several months, uh, just want to take you there to the origin of kind of our faith and the history of where it all comes from. And uh, it's good for you to know that the majority of, of um, faiths on the planet um, stems from the Judaism and the Muslim faiths. And it all comes from uh, our father, Abraham, who had many sons and many sons. Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. Yeah. So let's just praise the Lord, right? And so uh, if you didn't go to kids' church, you know, you can go and get a background check and go sign up and help serve Miss Melissa over there, who's got 85 kids over there in the little kid room. I am so thankful to see how much growth we've had in our church in uh, all of these kids' departments. And uh, it was pretty cool, the guys over there pulling carpet, all of the people that have volunteered recently. Thank you so much for the blood, sweat, and tears that have literally gone into that building. It's really cool to be a community that comes together. It, it is, while I may be the pastor of our church, you need to know that you're, like, being a member of the church, I'm inspired by our faith and the way that you guys give and sacrifice for Christ. It's, it's really quite a beautiful thing. It inspires me. We want to talk about Father Abraham. He is um, really the beginning of a lot of all the things that we believe. And so uh, Colby was saying a couple minutes ago, it was so rad. I'm proud of you for, for even the way you phrased it. He said things were going wrong, and, and he dove into Scripture and found a person to really just focus in on. And, and that, I don't know how new you are in your faith, but that's really what a lot of us do is you'll find yourself in a season of life and the Holy Spirit will direct you to a person in Scripture where you should gleam uh, understanding on how to operate and, and some of the DNA or, or mannerisms that you should carry yourself with. And it was cool that you got Moses. Today I want to take you to Abraham uh, because he is the father of many faiths and uh, many, a father of many nations. And so anyways, we'll, we're going to go there in Scripture to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, would you all stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We want to welcome everyone who's at home and online. Thank you guys for joining us. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. That is happening right now before our very eyes. I want you to understand this. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. And Abram was Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all of his wealth and his livestock and all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed to the land of Canaan. And when he arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, Shechem, and he set up camp besides Oak Moran. At the time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. 
And after that, Abraham, Abram, I'm sorry, traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. And then Abram continued traveling south. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. So this guy, Abram, became a big deal before the Lord. So much so that the Lord picked him out of all of the people that lived on the earth and gave him favor to the point where all of these faiths and all of these people would come from this man. I mean, this guy changed the known world. And I don't know where you are in your life, but I want God's blessing on my life. I want God to do something significant with me. And I don't know the ingredients that I need to have in my own mind. Like, it would be foolish of us to think that we understand on our own how the Lord um, thinks or what he wants or what he desires. And this is really where man goes wrong. We turn to scripture, we turn to wisdom to look for the things that God favored, that he adored, that he loved, to find out why is it that this guy was significant. It wasn't just because of his DNA, but rather because of who he was, his DNA became favored. And I, I don't necessarily about anything, but I just want my life to be significant before him. And I want the Lord to look at me and go, man, I'm proud of you. I can use that kind of heart, that kind of character, that kind of attitude, that kind of tone. And so as I'm looking at this scripture, I'm wondering, what is it about this guy? So we're going to go through a few chapters this week, next week, the following week. And we're going to kind of go through his family tree as we approach Christmas this year and kind of see the things that went so well in Abraham's uh, life and the things that went wrong in his family tree. And there are some things that go wrong, but I want you to know the Lord has a way of, of giving grace and correcting and coaching and all these things. And so Abraham is going to do some beautiful things and he's going to do some terrible things. And we're going to talk about some of that next week, but here we go uh, this week. Abraham, uh, one of the first things that I see that makes all of this significant uh, there was a great promise that was given to Abraham, that I will make you great, that you'll be the father of many nations, that, that I'll, I'll make you remembered, that I'll give you this land. All of the Lord promises of many things. And I want you to know that all of the prophecies that may be spoken, they're all conditional. They're all based on whether or not you're going to hold up your end of this situation in your life. And so in my life, I've recognized the things that God has promised me, and I can rewind it back to the things that I did wrong when I opened my mouth and said something stupid or went the wrong way or acted in fear rather than in faith, acted in, you know, does this, are, are, are you uh, seeing the events in your life where you disobeyed the Lord? But really, all of this is possible because Abraham obeyed the Lord. Friends, this is everything in our faith. You need to know that you are now, when you came to Christ and realized that he is the Lord, you came to an understanding that you are not. And I, I, I can't lean into that anymore. And now our life is learning how to trust in the wisdom and in the protection and in the guidance of someone far greater than you. 
And so we are now learning to obey the Lord. And Abraham did just that. I don't know if you can remember the moments in your life where God spoke something significant and said, hey, I want you to go here and give this and leave behind this. But there are moments where you, there are crossroads, you know, and and you're going to have to decide, are you going to take the path less taken and choose to follow the Lord? But in Abraham's life, in verse 1, he was told to leave his native country, his relatives, and his father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. And man, this is terrifying, because he's not even saying, I want you to go here. He just says, I want you to go to a place I'm going to take you. I'm going to show you. You're not there yet. You don't understand. You can't see it. And man, this is difficult to learn to walk with the Lord. Friends, what is beautiful here is we see at the very beginning a God who has relationship with man. A God that invites him to walk with him. We saw this with Adam. You need to know that Jesus said it in John 10 verse 25, that my sheep know me and they know my voice. And you will choose to obey and follow or wander astray. But the Lord is going to speak to you because he loves you. Because he has a plan to prosper you. A plan to give you a hope in a future. And it will be your decision by the grace of God whether or not you want to follow. And that is the great invitation of grace. He gave you the free will to decide whether or not you want what he has for you or whether you want to do it on your own. And Abraham, in verse 1, decided that he was going to. And in verse 4, we see the confirmation. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. And I want to remind you to obey the Lord. I don't know if you can remember a moment of significance in your life where God said, I want you to obey me. But there may have been one moment that was defining, or maybe you're being invited into that moment right now. But what I would even explain to you really as you mature in your faith is what you'll learn is that there should not be these great events, but rather a lot of little ones. It may start with a great event. I want you to move. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to leave behind. But what ends up happening as the Lord is lording over our life is he begins guiding us in little ways, reminding us to be humble, to shut up, to be kind, to lower yourself, to give, to rise up with authority or boldness, to speak into a situation. The Lord, when he speaks, you need to know that he is largely going to call you out of discomfort. It's going to be, I'm sorry, into a place of discomfort. When he is the Lord, you are always going to choose what is easiest for you, what you know the most and what is most secure. And the Lord is always going to call you out of that into difficult things. This is what relationship does. It says, I know you have a plan, but my plan's better and I need you to do this now. And it will always be difficult. When God speaks, he is interrupting your life because he sees something much better than you. And I see these interruptions from Moses all the way down through Scripture, and he'll do it to you. And I remember when he called me, I was in Pennsylvania, and he told me I was going to move to Lakeland, Florida. And 
I had to sell everything I have and pack up and move and leave my family. And he may not be calling you to another state or to another country or to another location, but he is going to call you to leave behind your old life, your old comfort, your old friends, your own security blankets. There's The majority of us have been called to leave a company, to do something new, and this is how he operates. And friends, please understand, you obey. But I want to remind you that obedience to Jesus is not a one-time event. It is an everyday process. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself and carry the cross, take up my cross. And so this is going to be a scenario where you're learning to listen and follow someone else. Um, the next passage here that I, I want to bring, oh, I want to read you two wonderful quotes. One of them was by my man, George Washington. You ever heard of this guy? Quite wonderful. And this quote, man, says it all. Listen to this. He said about obedience to God. He said, the whole duty of man is summed up in obedience to God's will. It's our whole duty to obey God's will. It's the duty of man. I loved it. Joyce Meyer, rock star Joyce Meyer. So powerful. I don't like listening to Joyce Meyer because she always steps on my toes. She always hurts my feelings, and she's not nice about it. Joyce Meyer says this, obedience to God is the pathway to the life you really, wanted to, you really wanted to live. Obedience to God is the pathway to the life you really wanted to live. And, uh, and I know that many of us dream of pastures, green pastures, green fields, and, and all of that is held in obedience to the Lord. Uh, the second thing that I extract from, from this passage in the beginning of Abraham's life is what I see is that Abram was 75 years old when God called him onto this journey. And this screams to me a reminder. Some of you guys are looking at the young church today here in this room, and I just, you're, you're doing it with jealous eyes. And I just want to rebuke you for a second and remind you that if you're breathing, you have a responsibility to obey Jesus at all costs, to sacrifice for him. Your calling is not like behind you. And this is a bad mentality for us to think that our best years are the ones that have passed. Abram was 75 years old when he became the father of many nations. And he began to sacrifice and set out in pursuit of what God had for him. You are not too young to begin mentoring, training, discipling, evangelizing, sacrificing, giving, building. Our best years are not and cannot be behind us. And I rebuke that mentality. If I'm alive, I'm alive today, and today I'm going to live for Jesus, and today God can do anything he wants in my life. Don't make God that small. That's foolishness. Cool. 75 years old. Someone once said, a delay is not a deny. And, uh, and I think, man, some of us have been waiting, waiting, waiting for a husband, for a job, for a promotion, for something. And this dude's 75 years old before, it's even, before God even begins to whisper a new promise. That, that, that's unfair. I just got to be honest with you. Um, okay, I'm going to keep going. What I love, I, this is going to be hard for me to get all this in here. Uh, but what I see next is his desire to honor the Lord. Even in this passage, he builds an altar. And I think that's one of the things that favored Abram so much 
Friends, the significance of this guy is something that you guys should lean into and study for the next couple weeks because he is the origin of a lot of the conversations in the news. Who was this guy and why was he special to the Lord? Why was he so significant amongst everyone else on earth? Well, what I love about him is that when God first spoke to him, he built an altar. I don't know what an altar even would look like. I don't know how big it was or what it would have been made out of. I don't know what he would have put on it or what he would have sacrificed. But I know his intent. What he wanted was to say, thank you. What he wanted was to say, God, please go with me. What he wanted was God's blessing. And what I, what I hear as I read this over and over again, the Lord began to just speak to me. It was almost like Abraham didn't necessarily want the land. He wanted God's blessing. Amen. God's like, hey, I'm going to take you and give you these things. And he's like, yeah, you know, those things would be great. But what I need is for you to know that I, I need you in, in my life. And that was the purpose of altars. It was to sacrifice something on it to bring us back into right relationship with the Lord. And this is even before the law was given. And so Abraham builds an altar, and then he travels south, and the scripture says he builds another altar. And this is what I love, is I don't know how many altars that Abraham would go to build. The scripture in, about Abraham's life says that he would build four altars. There may have been more than that, but he's going to give us an account of four different altars, and they would be significant. But it's on this place that he would say, like, hey, I can't go any further, God, until you know that you mean a lot to me and you need to, like, I don't necessarily care where I go next or what I do, but I got to make sure, God, that you know that you, you got to, man, you mean so much to me. You have my attention. I pray you bless my family. I pray you bless my, my house, my, my livestock, my finances, my territory. There's enemies trying to kill me. God, I need, I need you to move in my life. Like, I only want you. I only want you. I only want you. He'd build a second altar. And I wonder then, like, if I'm trying to live a life of godliness, have I built altars? Have I built space in my life to make sure that God is honored in my life? Some of us, we set out to honor Jesus in our life. We bought a house, we had kids, and we don't even have an altar in our home. And I want to make sure that like, there's space in your life that God is exalted above everything that you do. Otherwise, you may be missing the ingredients of significance before Him. Like even before I come out here to meet with you guys, it's really bad. A lot of pastors, I'm, I'm not implying that I've got this right, but a lot of pastors try to come out here and minister to people. And you got to know, like, while I, I want to reach people, I spend hours with Christ before I'm here because I want to minister to Him. God, I want, I want you to have my heart. I pray that you protect my intentions today. I pray you, like, like, like today, God, don't let their praise distract me from what you're really saying. Because there's a lot of churches today that are built around the praises of the people not around what God's actually saying. What if everyone says this is going in the right direction, but the Lord's saying, I'm not even like, welcome. Like, 
I want to make sure that in my life, I've, I've assigned time for God to do whatever he wants. And friends, if I was to tell you that my prayer life was always like radical and fun and God's always talking, and I'd be lying to you. I have a lot of time where I spend with God where I don't really know what happened. But I want to make sure that he has the space to say what he wants. Does that make sense? Like, God, I value you. And the reason why this is important is because this guy was significant to Jesus amongst not just everyone on earth today, but through history. Like 4,000 years, this guy was special to Jesus. He built an altar in verse 7 and verse 8. And... Um, I'm out of time. I, I can't even. I have the whole. I have a whole sermon yet to do. I'm so sorry. Um, that's good for now. Lord, I, I do sense your Holy Spirit here right now. I would ask God that you would speak to us through the life of Abraham. Are we sacrificing for you? Are we building something that honors you? Are we learning to obey you before our own? Like how do we interrupt our life to put you first? Not in theory or in theology or in like our own ideas, but like are you our priority, number one? Does our life please you? Does our life bring you glory? What is out of order? Because obedience to you is not moving to Lakeland or attending the Wake Community Church. It's, it's, are you first? And am I listening when you say, stop doing drugs, or stop having sex, or stop looking at that, or stop saying that out loud, or start being obedient and being bold and walking into that character and start preaching the gospel? Am I obeying you when you speak to me and say, come away into prayer? I believe that's our first calling is when he calls us to himself. You know, God is speaking to every one of you in this room. And I believe the first thing with all of like everything I've learned about Jesus the first thing he says to us, he calls us into sonship. Every mother, the first thing that she wants to do is hold that baby and say, come here. When she labors and labors and labors for the baby to come into this world, the very first thing she wants is, give me my baby. And the Lord is, is calling you to come to him. And you're going to decide in your own life, are you going to make space to obey the Lord? Not will you go, but will you come? Will you come here? Will you make time for Jesus in your life? I know you're busy. I know you got stuff going on. But lordship means nothing else on your schedule is as important as the Lord. Friends, would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe some of us know that Jesus is our Savior. but you don't have an altar. And if you're honest, you're not hearing and you probably aren't obeying. 
He's not the first priority. And you can see God's adoration and favor on Abram. And you want that favor on you. But it comes from you surrendering your life and saying, you first, God. I, I need your blessing on my home. I, I have a good house, but it's great when you're there. I have a good life, but I, 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 I need you to overshadow me and let your character shine through me. God, I, I surrender me to you right now, and I ask that you live. If you're here today and you know that your life is out of order, and today you want to surrender that to the Holy Spirit's movement, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? That's beautiful. God bless you. That's beautiful. God bless you. There's two people. Everyone else here believes they're obeying the Lord and sacrificing for him. That's beautiful. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you that you have this guy, Abraham, there that we can look at and glean from, a man who's abandoned his life in pursuit of yours. I want what you have for me. Lord, I remember the first time you told me to stop doing drugs. I believe there's people in this room that need to stop doing something. Holy Spirit, will you speak to them right now? You're the Lord. And I remember the first time that you began to call me to come away with you into relationship and I love that you didn't tell Abraham to go to the land of Canaan. You said that you wanted him to go to a place that you would show him. You want us to walk with you, God. And I believe there's some here that are in relationship with you, but they're not in relationship with you. Teach us how to walk with you, God. How to hit the pause button on our life so that you become priority. You are the king of kings. I want to know you, God. I don't ever want that prayer to get old to me. I want to know you. Because I don't think I do. I forget that your eyes are like flames of fire. And your voice is like the sound of many powerful waters. And I forget how majestic and powerful you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your movement here in this room today. And your rhythm in our life. I ask you, God, to begin calling us to obey. And to build and to sacrifice for you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, we're gonna dive. I'll try to pick up where I left off next week here in Abraham's life, but you can start in Genesis chapter 12 and follow it through. Uh,
your Bible. Uh, they're free. To, and if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. But um, there's nothing that you should be reading, not the news, not anything else, more than you should be plugged into God's Word. It's powerful. Hey, Serve Lakeland is this Saturday. And um, I heard uh, Brady tell me this morning that we only have six families signed up as of right now. That ain't going to work for me, Jack. So you just got to know, if only six of six families join me to do this outreach on Saturday, uh, I, I mean, I, that just ain't who we are. Then we're, we're, something is massively wrong. Help me tell this community that Jesus reigns. Sign up on the app right now. We have, uh, and, uh, we have some pretty gifts for you. I love you guys, and uh, thank you guys so much. We'll see you at Connect Groups this week. Love you. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.